and that and that's stoicism. So there you go. Stoicism. What what in what's like what's inspired you to read the book Meditations by Marcus Aurelius? Well, reading a bit about it, I think that stoicism really, um, in in many ways, it's kind of an inobjectionable philosophy because it does preach. It's not it's not like Nietzsche where you can find a lot of it just very disagreeable and just very kind of outrageous because at the heart of stoicism really is virtue that's that's what it's all about virtue is the only good and happiness exists solely in virtue so it's always about doing the right thing and that is the, the way to happiness and it's directly opposed to hedonism and i'm not mm. a hedonist i'm not an epicureanist <laughs> not a fan of that so um I think it's a very dumb philosophy so that's why i'm interested in stoicism yeah the book yeah 17 pages in so i'm still on the introduction 17 pages so, so that, that's a start i mean you've got to start there i mean i've got some notes i made from when i read the book the first time around and i might have added some the second time around um so what you're saying about virtue is obviously really correct obviously this is stoicism from the perspective of marcus aurelius an emperor it's not from i believe you've got uh Seneca, uh, let's do a Stoic. That's a, that's a Stoic there. Then you've got, if I'm not mistaken, is it Epictetus? I believe, and I believe, if I'm not wrong, Epictetus, yeah, Epictetus was a slave. I believe I might be wrong. It's been a while. Yeah, that's true, probably yeah. read, but I Epictetus was a slave. His writings are very much in the perspective of the lower class and an individual who's a slave to his himself and obviously his surroundings, and obviously he kind of broke free from these shackles of his mind with Stoicism. However, Marcus Aurelius, obviously his writings are all to do with being an emperor. And it's to do with his, his how, how he kind of goes about day to day, how he's dealing with armies and such and such. And it really, a lot of it is, he does write in a very deep and philosophical way. It's not necessarily, the day I did this, the, um, his writings are very much all to do with uh, his beliefs on Stoic thought and philosophy. And that's why I think, and most, most Stoic, modern day Stoics anyway, would probably say he's the most influential person when it comes to stoicism. Yeah. I mean, if you've got a philosophy that you can follow as a slave and an emperor, I mean, you've really covered... I mean, there must That's be a really some, good point. There's a kernel in there of, of something that must kernel. be, you know... There's something in there. You've got... Yeah. What you've got right there, what you've created is a Colonel Sanders sort of meta. <laughs> no, that you are right. That good, that's... That's finger-licking good philosophy, you could say. I, I like that. And Stoicism really is finger-licking good philosophy. <laughs> because, like you said, like like the rich man would enjoy the KFC and the poor man would enjoy the KFC. And exactly. likewise, Stoicism. And that, and that is the kind of simile we have on this on, on podcast. On this podcast. Yeah, I mean, that's that's it, really. It's a unit, it's, it's, it's an equaliser. You're right. I mean, and um, I think I think your point you just made there is is what people forget about stoicism. I'm not saying that like I've talked to those people about it. I just think people forget. People think obviously stoic for oh, is it just to do with people that think deeply, or is it? You know, I constantly get I, people say I think too deep or whatever. It's like it's stoic for is not for people that think too deeply. Stoic for is for anyone that thinks ever, because yeah. like we were talking about before recording. I you I think you or you said what did you what did you ask me about? Do I apply? Do my stoic? Do I apply it? Yeah, and then I, I kind of I kind of responded, well, I'll be honest, I'm not the most stoic every day, no, because you have to meditate on it. I think the only way you can be stoic is to meditate every day. I think you've got to meditate every day with some form of stoic meditation routine. 
thinking for five, I mean, however long you want to meditate for, doesn't really matter. I'm not going to quantify it. But thinking through stoicism every day, thinking for through your crutches every day. I know I've got written here, mental crutch to con- uh, contemplate positive qualities of those around you. That's a crutch that Marcus Aurelius had to deal with the people around him. It's really important to understand stoicism that you meditate every day. I think that's the only way you can actually follow it. Uh, so I don't yeah, think I do that. My personal belief is that anybody that follows a philosophy entirely is a psychopath. I, d- I just don't think it's possible. I think it's I think it's stupid to take a philosophy and follow every part of it because stoicism basically, in a in a sense, it teaches you that really there's not. In many ways, it's it's kind of similar to to Christianity actually in in a lot of ways in that it's about all, all about kind of doing the right thing, but it's also it's quite in a. It's, there's no inherent value in other people's lives to a stoic really it's a it's it's a very internal philosophy it's mm. not really something that yeah. you necessarily apply to other people in any way um and yeah it, like you said it's not it's it, it doesn't you if anything you it's it's really not for someone who's a thinks too deeply no. because stoics basically they look at something and they say well is it under my control no, if it's not under my control, then I don't need to worry about it. Forget about it. Yes. And if it is under my control, then fix it. Yes. And then make it good. And and mm. you don't. There's no. There's no reward. There's no that. reward. Risk. Reward. No. And there, and what you said about the thinking. The reason. The reason it might not be good for people that think too deeply. I'm not saying Stoics don't think too deeply. Obviously, but you have to progressively think it's a Stoic. However, like what you just said about it. It's kind of what you can control. However, a lot of people that think deeply think they can control more than they actually can. And I think with yeah. me personally, that's exactly why I don't necessarily follow stoicism every day. I think my response to you was, I'm not a stoic, but I know every time I'm in traffic, I immediately have a stoic crutch of don't get annoyed. I've, I don't think I've ever been annoyed at traffic since I kind of understood stoicism. Because I think I, I listened to it like, why would you get annoyed at traffic? There's no logically good answer to be annoyed at traffic. You cannot change the outcome unless you're maybe, you know, you've got sirens on your car. <laughs> yeah, I mean... It's all about kind of knowing your limits, really, as a man, and what, and realizing that you don't. There's there's plenty of things in the world that you don't have control over, mm. and you need to let go of that. You need to let go of the things that you don't have control over. Yes, I mean, but it's True. also it's, but it's but to think that that's like a a, a philosophy for somebody who doesn't think is wrong because you need to use logic and reason to, to to determine what you have control over and what you don't. The things you do have control over. That's some, that's, you don't need to worry about that because as the Stoic, you should be striving to correct those things if they're um, out of place and put them in such a way that helps you um, live according to nature, which is, seems to be, I mean, like I said, I haven't read the meditations, but I've, no. I've done my homework, I've done my background yep. reading, um, and Zeno, Cleanthes. You've quit books, it, really? Um, You've quit books, it. Yeah, <laughs> just quit booked it. Quit booked it. Um, it's all about living in in a living according to nature. Yeah. Um, which isn't sort of like it means one like one's interpretation in the way that nature to nature. Manifests itself. Yeah, definitely. Like one's interpretation of nature. Quickly skimming through my notes, I I can definitely see a lot of this to do with external events and interpretations on external events. So, like you're saying about nature, it's nature is the external events. That's nature. You cannot necessarily change it. It's how your self-control and your virtues guide you through nature and through those external events. 
and that's exceptionally important when it comes to uh, negotiating the world uh, or navigating would be a better word sorry when, when you're navigating when you're navigating everyday life you, you really just want to make sure you do that correctly and I mean like a big thing that I've taken away from stoicism is obviously complaining I, I mean I'm not saying I don't complain but I definitely try not I mean if anyone ever says oh you're not very stoic or I, I definitely always then have a week or two so I think oh, what am I complaining about why am I complaining about this well, people will complain about things. I think, why? I won't say it, but I think, why are you complaining about it? Because a really good point of self-control is to not be, not let yourself get in the business of others and don't meddle with the affairs of others because everyone's on their own kind of journey, whether that be philosophical or just day-to-day, how how people want to live in their own introspective lives. You can't necessarily yeah. meddle in them. It's not fair to. Mm. And that's kind of what I was saying when it's like it's a very internal philosophy. It's not yeah. something that you really apply to other people. Because at the end of the day, it's all about taking responsibility for your own happiness. Um, yeah. It's supposed to be achieved through virtue, which is, I think, uh, in, a, in a way, a, a downfall of stoicism or its marketability because it does kind of promote, I wouldn't say selfishness, because it is, it is about doing the right thing, but it's kind of like it doesn't. I mean, Marcus Aurelius, if I'm right in saying, I think a lot of his children died. Uh, I think Commodus was maybe one of the only survivors. He had a lot of children who died, and he kind of, I think he was very detached from that because of his stoic philosophy. And I think that's something that is probably hard to um, reason with for a lot of people in the modern day. That's a really good point. It's commonplace. You know, to have children, no. it doesn't mean that it was yeah, like the average age, not yeah. a bad thing, yeah. But it's, yeah. it, it's, I wouldn't go so far as to call it a selfish philosophy, but it's you, you really have to focus on yourself a lot. And maybe you know, you could argue there's something that gets lost in between it's, when you do that. It's a selflessly selfish philosophy, yeah. That's a great way of summarizing it, it, it truly is because in order to be in order to be selfless you need to be selfless with your own thoughts because you don't want to just be kind of you know burdening other people with them unnecessarily especially when you know you can do your own role and your own your own doing by yourself without other people's intervention and that and that's why i think marcus Aurelius put i think i wrote down somewhere here to do with doing your job it's all to do with do what you need to do and get that done don't necessarily have a go other people. You know, a, a quote here is, no random actions, none not based on underlying principles. So that's very much a selfish thing. You don't, don't randomly interview other people. Just have principles, follow them. Sometimes your principles may help other people, but may, mostly they will be to do with your job and your role in society. And obviously that will be quite internal. And that, that will be kind of yeah. self, self-propelling. Look, Marcus Aurelius was an emperor. He served the people. However... He, his main job was being an emperor to himself. That's exactly why look, he wrote so much. He was a very like yeah. he was a self you know self fourth emperor. He's really good, obviously. Yeah, but he's the last of the uh, the good emperors. Um, That's what they say, isn't it? I don't know much about the um, lineage, but yeah, I've heard that before. Good emperors. He's the last one, and he's kind of. I think his, his outlook on on the on the emperorship was that it, it was just a role that he was playing, and that his actions, in a sense, 
he had to, in a sense, he had to rise, rise to the occasion. I'm sure that he felt like he was setting an example, but he, he, he to him, being emperor was it, it didn't define him. It was just a role that he was playing, and that he would yeah. behave in just the same way if he was a farmer or <laughs> you know a soldier. I think he would be just stoic. And I the think emperor, yeah. the emperorship was just a role because I think at this time, at this point in time, it, the way that the that the world was perceived was that things were very cyclical and that everything that uh, ha- has happened will happen again sometime. And so, you know, in a sense, he was playing the same part that Alexander and mm. Caesar before him had played. And it was just a role, which is an interesting, just an interesting sort of aside about um, ancient or classical outlooks. That of time, of the views yeah. of time there's a lot of time that they view they viewed time as being cyclical and it's something that actually christianity introduced the idea of, of, lin- of linear time in a way or at least popularized it and i think there's a lot of similarities actually between stoicism and, and christianity um i think the things that they're similar in they're very similar in, but i think the things that they are um different in they're very different and i think they're very different in terms of how you treat other people there's, there's no there's not there's, no, there's basically no sympathy in stoicism whereas christianity is is, is all about um, sympathy but they also have very similar worldviews the stoic the stoicists believe that the world is there's a there's a, a fire, like a fire or a heat that um is the source of being um, and that there's a kind of providence in the world that things have meaning, that things happen for a reason. Um, and the Stoicists were very, um, or the Stoics were very opposed to the Epicureans. You know, the Epicureans were hedonists. They thought the main goal of life was to pursue pleasure. And they, they, they viewed the world, or part of the reason they, they had that view was because they thought the world was basically just made up of atoms that were moving around randomly. <laughs> and that there was no real meaning, and the Stoics had to come. The, the Stoics had a complete opposite view, which was that there was providence. That's a that's a big theme in Stoicism: providence, and about and that things have meaning. And that's part of the reason why you shouldn't get annoyed at things or complain about things is because yeah. they have a meaning. Yeah, there there is a meaning there. That and and the and the meaning is purposeful, and, that, and that's exactly why you wouldn't complain because there's purpose in a lot of things which we get annoyed at. And that's what's beautiful about it, because I think Stoicism truly is like—I mean, truly, it truly is a beautiful kind of way of thinking. When when you when you when you apply it correctly, I don't I don't think you should be restrained too much that you're uh, a kind of person that doesn't doesn't show emotion. I think Stoicism is all about controlling your emotion in the most productive and purposeful way you possibly can, with a positive influence mainly on yourself and then on others because of yourself. And I think that's yeah. I think I think I think that's stoicism, really. That that is stoicism. I think it's one of the philosophies that you can maybe take the most from. I mean, like I said, I haven't read the meditations yet. I'll probably finish it in the next day or two if I'm not too busy. Um, but having read into it and its back and its background a decent amount. Like I said earlier, I think I think anybody that applies a philosophy in their life hundred percent is a psychopath. Um, but I think there's much more to take out of this philosophy than anything that Nietzsche says or anything that Socrates said even. So possibly yeah. that's 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 one reason why I think. Yeah, it's all about. I think there's, a, there's, a, there's yeah. an ability in it. 
that, that's I mean, obviously, they, they admired Socrates for his nobility, but mm. some of the things that Socrates was saying and Plato was saying, you know, I don't know maybe maybe they're bad examples, but definitely someone like Nietzsche or someone mm. like um, Jean-Paul Sartre or um, Camus. A lot of the existentialists, really. Any, anything anything um, to do with absurdism is, by definition, yeah. absurd. So comparing comparing absurdism to stoicism is definitely, you know, like Camus' work is definitely going to be, it's yeah. definitely going to get that reaction that you're giving. <laughs> existentialists like like Kierkegaard or absurdists like Camus, I mean, there's not, there might be good things to take out of those philosophies and apply in your own life, but yeah. a lot of it is just very obscene really true i think okay. that stoicism is something you can probably take it's one of the philosophies you can maybe take the most out of and apply in your daily life yes and not sort of be a psychopath which you would be if you <laughs> if you if you were to read all of nietzsche's books and then mm. live in the way that he suggests i mean no one would want to be anywhere near you you'd just be an objectionable no. human really and you would probably end up in prison really eventually <laughs> And yes, that's, that's not. In, that's not. And if, and if you were to take stoicism to an extreme, you would you would end up an outcast. Yeah, because it's it's ridiculous. You'd be too. You'd be too self-indulgent. It's brilliant at the same time. It's genius. The things that he's he says are genius, but the thing, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to act on them in the in the way that he suggests. No, I agree. Okay, I think um, yeah, I'll cut you off there. That that's a good time. That and that, and what I think a good future discussion will be to bounce back into what the, the comparisons you were making there to the Epicureans and existentialists, and especially what you said about taking Nietzsche's work and taking Socrates. They're obviously not his work, but what Socrates supposedly said, and uh, how well it can apply to life compared to Stoicism, because that's a great that's a great way to compare philosophies and a great way to kind of understand them a bit more. It's easier for me to understand them when I think about comparing it to my own life, and I think that's a great way to learn them. Yeah, I think that's that's ultimately that's like the main objective of philosophy, really. I mean, if it's not applicable in your daily life, then what is the point of it, really? It's yeah, the point and of it is to be purely the, academic. The, at that it's point. purely yeah, it's purely an academic pursuit. And as much as I like an academic pursuit, I think we can't. I think you have to be more determined to to academically pursue something. Whereas I think motivation would could definitely come from applying something, and that'd be easier to study and easier to remember, and therefore more enjoyable to, to actually pursue yeah yeah okay perfect <laughs>